Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4:23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. the congregation to remain standing for just a moment as we move to the text today found in the gospel of mark chapter 10 verses 35 through 52 i know there are a lot of verses there but there are two important transitions that are juxtaposed pulled together by the gospel writer mark and it's important that we hear them together So Jesus actually in verses 32 through 34 has been talking about where he's headed. He's headed to Jerusalem and um, he told them that he's going to actually um, be crucified there. And on the third day rise again. So then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They called them together and said, You know that those who regarded as rulers the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise over them, authority over them. And not so with you, said Jesus. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then he rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's bow together for prayer. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we've gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. The cross that is on the Bible day is a reminder to us of the good news being shared by a group of team in what's known as Kairos. It takes the walk to Emmaus experience into prison and also shares with the men in white the good news of the gospel. And they have an endless supply of cookies at their table, which is an amazing experience for someone who's been incarcerated. High tower team, keep them in your prayers today. I put that there because whenever I wear the cross, you see it only when I'm standing and I wanted it to be before us in a way of us bringing those men and women who are helping the support team to be with us in spirit and us with them all day today. Maybe you remember the old commercials from UPS. What can Brown do for you? You remember those? It's about this customized aspect that sort of launches into a whole new series. I, in my dad joke humor, heard a joke that said that UPS and FedEx are actually merging to create efficiencies. And for everybody who's ever been frustrated with mailing, know that their name is going to be called Fed Up. In these verses, we hear a clear contrast between James and John, the sons of thunder, and Bartimaeus. We're going to unpack what his name means in a moment, but every part of this text is dripping with contrast. And that's the theme on this journey to the cross today, is to hear the contrast that exists in the questions, the response of Jesus, and the reaction of the people. But before we get too rough on James and John, let's reflect on how much they really mirror what we say and do in our own lives. Because in the culture, in the world around us, if you've really been good and behaved yourself in school and you're in the school for little children, this is not a knock on the school for little children. This is every elementary school. This is every place. But when you're really good, do you get to go to the front of the line or the back of the line? Front of the line. Embedded from our very beginning, we sort of equate the sense of honor with being first. If you're waiting to board a flight, do you want to be the last person on, or do you actually need to confess that you have tried to fake an injury to get on before the premier access people do? Right, we always want to be at the front. In fact, I would suggest to you that all of theology of life can be described in two places. First, a two-year-old nursery when the kids get hungry, that will prove original sin from birth. (laughs) Go to any airport and watch the people, regardless of the number on their ticket, line up and, and, and jump lines, and that'll prove original sin exists in adults as well. If you're attending a sporting event or concert, when you go on, are the most expensive seats the furthest away 
No, they're the VIP pass. It's what gets you in closest proximity to what is happening. There is this simple sort of grooming of our own expectations by our culture that to be first and closest is to be best. James and John succumb to that. Now, if you're reading in Matthew, you find that it's James and John's mother who goes and falls at the feet of Jesus and says, hey, do something for my boys, would you? So anything that thinks that this sort of uh, helicopter parenting exists simply in the last decade is nonsense. Moms have always been trying to get their sons advanced. It's been happening for years. But they ask a leading question, and isn't it fascinating that in the text, the question that James and John ask, and the question that Bartimaeus asks, is responded to Jesus exactly the same way. But the setup is different. Jesus' response to both of them is, what do you want me to do for you? It's a rabbinical teaching mode. But James and John, these two that had been with Jesus that are in the inside circle. See, here's the first contrast. James and John were part of the inner circle. They were closest to Jesus. Where was Bartimaeus as a beggar? Far from Jesus. In fact, as a beggar in being blind, he would be ostracized. And the reason they encountered him on the way out of Jericho is that most beggars would want to be on the road from Jericho heading into Jerusalem because Jericho was like the Buckies of the Old Testament times. It's where Cleopatra went to actually get all of her uh, herbs and spices for her makeup. It was extremely well known. In fact, if you go there today, you actually have what they call the Jericho banana, which is supposed to be the best banana, the dates. All of those things still exist today. But the beggars would be on the road out to Jericho that you would head north and west towards Jerusalem because folks would just have been refreshed. They had made their buckies pit stop. And now coming out of Jericho, maybe they were a little less weary and kind and responsive. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem for a different kind of reason. James and John are close. Bartimaeus is far. James and John have spent time with Jesus and learning they should have been the ones that knew the best, and yet they're the ones who manipulate the most. And they say, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. J.B. Phillips once said, be careful, friends, your arms are too short to box with God. You can't trap Jesus. He'll always be smarter than you are. And what does he say to James and John? Well, what do you want me to do for you? And what's unpacked is this idea that they wanted greatness. They wanted to be one at the right hand and one at the left hand. You don't need theological training to understand what James and John wanted, do you? You knew exactly what they're wanting. They wanted seat one and seat two. They wanted the best places, the place of honor. Now, Jesus uses this imagery about drinking the cup and being baptized. Those are theological nuances. It's carried over even today that when we come to communion, from a cup we dip the bread into the chalice. It's a way of belonging. In the Old Testament times, whenever you ate together, whenever you drank together, it was a way of saying you belong together. This is why Jesus was so criticized. Remember, what was he doing? The Pharisees said, Look, you need to talk to your disciples. You need to talk to this Jesus character. He is eating and drinking with sinners. 
You're not supposed to do that because it showed a sense of connectedness with who they were. Jesus was where the people were. Now he's talking about, well, this sense of baptism, a sense of Old Testament understanding of baptism, of baptizio, the being under, is a sense of belonging. Jesus is using this imagery to say, look, you, you don't know what you're asking, but more than that, it's, it's, it's not for me to grant. And what happens with the reaction? The reaction of the disciples is, does it create continuity and community within the disciples? Absolutely not. As soon as people start jockeying for positions, James and John had an impact not only on your own relationship with Christ, it affected the followers. And if you read carefully in the text, it says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant, and Jesus pulls them together. And he says to them, look, this is the way the world operates. This is the way... I operate, and they are not the same. And so then we have this contrast. This contrast in, contained in one simple verse. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Bartimaeus the word is interesting because Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. And so it almost is as if the writer of Mark thinks we don't listen carefully because it says Bartimaeus. Then in your Bible, you'll find parenthetically, it'll say, which means son of Timaeus. Want to be extremely clear, Timaeus, what does this name mean? Timaeus means honor. And isn't that fascinating that the one whose name is honor, who's been born blind because of a physical ailment, has been ostracized. And he hears that Jesus is coming by, and he cries out. And what does he cry out? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't miss this contrast. The disciples had the inside information in verses preceding what we read. He told the disciples a third time that he had told them he was going to Jerusalem to be rejected, to die, to be crucified, and to rise again. The disciples knew this. The others didn't. But Bartimaeus is the one who identifies Jesus leaving Jericho, heading to Jerusalem as the son of David, the one who was the son of Timaeus, recognizes the son of David. And what does he say? Does he say, hey, I need something he simply says, have mercy. Have mercy on me. And in that cry, the same response that Jesus gave to James and John, he gives to Bartimaeus. And I love how the text says, cheer up, he's calling you. And what's the first thing that Bartimaeus does? He throws aside his cloak. Folks, there are, there's such depth in every sentence of the text. If you were a blind beggar or you were ostracized for some reason, your outside cloak could never be washed. It had to have a certain kind of thing. In fact, if you had leprosy and you could see, you would have to yell unclean while wearing this outer cloak that could identify you as unclean, and you could never do anything with your hair. I mean, it was real clear. You couldn't smell it, you could see it, and you would hear it. Everything in the world wanted to say you didn't belong. And what's the first thing that Bartimaeus does? The cloak that the world had given him saying, you're unworthy, you're unclean, you're not loved by God for something you've done. What's the first thing he does? He stands up, he throws his cloak aside, and he comes to Jesus. 
And what questions does Jesus ask Bartimaeus? The same question he asks James and John. Say it with me. What do you want me to do for you? Friends, this is the point of the text and the power of these questions. The response first of the people who heard Bartimaeus was say, be quiet, don't bother the Savior. The reaction is different because when James and John want to sort of hoard the power for themselves because on the inside circle, it creates nothing but division. When Bartimaeus has the courage to cry out, even when people tell him, be quiet, it gives everybody the opportunity to see the witness of a healing. And it brings healing in this midst. When we received... um, the call when we were in Paris, Texas, to come to the Texas Annual Conference. It was a difficult thing to leave. We had loved the community. No move is an easy move. And so we shared with the congregation. We were in that last week of packing things up to make the move. And my friend Corey Nolan showed up on the doorstep. And Corey worked for Kindred. He had the coolest job. He loaded a four-wheeler in the back of an F-350, and he got to ride gas lines five days a week on a four-wheeler with little tools just to make sure that every junction was working electrically and there were no leaks. How cool would that be? Except when it's 30 degrees raining in a 40-mile-an-hour wind, right? And Corey was always the person you could depend on to show up early, to stay late. He was a fantastic brother in Christ. But Corey was comfortable not wearing... Well, the only time you saw Corey wear his blue blazer was at funerals. He didn't even wear it when he ushered. And we're getting the parsonage packed up. There's things everywhere. And there's a knock on the door. We go to the front door. We open it, and there's Corey... And Corey has on his blue funeral blazer, which means this is an important occasion. And he had a towel over his arm in this old, large Tupperware bowl. And he said, I couldn't figure out what to give you. We've been through so much together in these years of ministry. As we begin to visit, he said, I, I, you know, we've built things together. We've worked on Emmaus together. We've done all these things. We've served in the hands of Christ. We've gone through 9-11 together. He said, but there is one thing I know I can do. It's what Jesus told me to do. And he had Sean and I go sit on the couch, take off our socks and shoes. He went into the kitchen. He filled that large bowl full of water. And in his Sunday best blazer, only for the highest and most important occasions he ever attended, he knelt before us. And he recounted what ministry together meant and life together meant, and he washed our feet. I think that Corey exemplifies that heart of Christ that I always want to have. And I think this text connects for me in this way. You see, too often, like James and John, we ask God to change something in the outside circumstances that would make life different, more comfortable, or easier for us. 
And sometimes those are extremely valid. There's tension, there's conflict. Things that we're asking God to do, no doubt, friends, but when we approach God in the spirit of Bartimaeus, we cry out for mercy and we ask God to change us from the inside first before anything changes on the outside. Church, whatever it is that the world has cloaked you with, that is a barrier to you understanding that you are loved with an everlasting love and God's grace is so available. When we stand in a moment for the closing hymn, I hope that you will, in a metaphorical way, cast off your cloak and get on your feet and know Jesus is calling you by name. And may he restore your sight for the ways in which your past hurts or mistakes have blinded you to seeing what God wants for you. And may the journey out of Jericho as we go to Jerusalem help you see one simple thing. Every day our prayer should be less of me and more of you, Jesus. Say that with me. Less of me and more of you, Jesus. Let's pray together. God, every one of us have had those James and John moments when we are asking for you to do what we want. And every one of us has the need for a Bartimaeus spirit that asks simply for mercy in your will and for you to restore our sight. So whatever it is, O oh God, that keeps us in this journey, in this journey of life, from responding to the love of Christ, going where you lead, following your teachings, loving our neighbor, and walking a new life, God, help us to cast that off and help us to walk with joy with Christ today. For this we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. We'd love to talk with you as pastors at any time, wherever you are in that faith journey. If you want to make a phone call, I've got business cards in my pocket when you leave. We'd love to talk to you and say, where's God moving in your life? Where's the Holy Spirit calling you forth? Where is your place of commitment? What is God asking of you? We also walk with you in times when you have absolutely no clue and you just need someone to pray with you. We'll do all that. This is what it means to be a part of the family. If you'd like to be a part of Kingwood Methodist Church, please contact us as pastors. We'll sit down and visit with you and with joy walk you through that process. Mm -hmm.